Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. I'm going to dive right into the scripture. Is that okay? Can we just get busy on the Bible today? Come on, son. We're looking at 1 Samuel 16. French Scott, who was doing the devotion right before for all the uh, volunteers that come, which is awesome, by the way, if you want to be a part of something really cool. And he came and he was talking about how we don't talk enough about the Old Testament. So this is for French today. He didn't even know I was going to be preaching on the Old Testament today. Everybody ready for some Old Testament? Everybody say, yeah. Let's get to it. Reading 1 Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned a long enough time for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. All right, now this is a little bit frightening, because as Samuel is this prophet who's willing to go and do whatever God has told him to do, as he gets ready to go, we have a small problem here. Because Saul is currently king, and we know stories about trying to bring up a new king under a current king, right? What's that current king likely want to do to the new king? Right, all right. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And God said, take a heifer with you, which I think is a, like the best response ever. <laughs> like my kids come to me with some kind of problem. Dad, I don't know how to do my homework. Just take a cow. <laughs> the Lord replied, And say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. All right? Anytime Samuel comes to town, it's usually not for a good thing. It's usually because you're going to get told something you don't necessarily want to hear. They're trembling. What's wrong? They ask. Do you come in peace? (laughs) Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at this son named Eliab. Everybody say, I think that's what he said. It's not in scripture, but I think that's what he said. And he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He's strong and mighty and big, and he's a beautiful person. He's going to be the one for sure that the Lord wants. Absolutely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Everybody read that sentence with me. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Jesus told his son, Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, "Mm, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this one the one the Lord has chosen. Everybody's starting to get a little bit nervous because now we're getting way out of birth order. Things are getting all kinds of out of whack here. In the same way, all seven, listen to that word, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. Now there's a small problem coming. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. Well, let's just stop right there for a second. Because just a second ago, what did it say? All seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. 
Now remember, this, is, this, is, this job as a shepherd is not a great job. You remember? Like your job is to make sure that the sheep don't die and that you don't step in a whole lot of poo. Okay. I told my grandma that I'd never say poo again in a sermon. I didn't mean to say it. It just came out. So I'm sorry, Grandma. Send for him at once, Samuel said. <laughs> I'm glad y'all put up with me. I appreciate that. Come on. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, kind of like me. And the Lord said, this is the one. This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. This is the word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. I love this story because it's the story of so many of us. It kind of reminds me of the story of when like you're picking teams for kickball. Anybody ever done that? You've been there picking teams for the, for the sport you're going to play and you're standing there waiting and wondering and they don't pick you until the end, which was never my story. I'm still working through it. All of them have a name. By name, it goes through, right? All of them have a name. Except for this other one. He's the youngest. He's the shepherd. He's not good or big enough to strong, strong enough to handle all the things that all the other brothers handled. So we put him out in the field. Because all you have to do is sit there and look at sheep and make sure they don't die and you don't step in too much All of them have a name. God says, I don't want the prettiest. I don't want the tallest. I don't want the best warrior. Those are all the things that we thought God would want, right? But God wants the unnamed. Just the one that we know as the youngest one. Anybody have nicknames growing up? Anybody have a nickname growing up that you're willing, are you willing to share? What is it? You willing to share? What do you got? What? Toast, right? First name French, last name Toast. <laughs> Makes, makes sense. Also because you were really fast and you would leave them in the dust, right? They were toast. You got, you'd burn them. What else? What else we got? Good nicknames? Anybody got awesome nicknames? What you got? Gonzo. Gonzo. Like the, um, the Muppet? Gonzalez. Okay, that's even better. I feel like I feel that was, it went in a much better direction than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> All right, what you got? You got a nickname, Isaac? Physics. You've had the best answers recently. I feel like maybe you're listening to a different sermon. But I like your heart. I like your heart. I had nicknames when I was growing up. I had nicknames. People called me nicknames. I had some really, really good ones. The first one was Carrot Top. <sighs> the second one, and I kid you not, and it made me never, ever want to wear shorts a day in my life. They called me mayonnaise legs. <laughs> and let me just tell you, if you've got to look at these mayonnaise legs, they are fantastic. <laughs> but it hurt. It hurt. I remember the kid that called me that, and he was short, but mama raised me not to talk about people like that, so I just had to take it, tell him that it hurt, tell him I didn't like it. It was rough. I still don't even like eating mayonnaise. <laughs> Kids are brutal, aren't they? Man, they're brutal. But so are adults. I was in the airport yesterday flying back from Baltimore, and we were sitting at this pub uh, waiting on the flight to come, and, and these guys were over here next to us. And all the while we're sitting there, they kept talking about other people that were walking by. 
like one after the other. It was almost like they didn't have anything else to do. It's like, I was, it was like, do you not have a phone? We're all playing on our phones. <laughs> oh, look at how fat she is. Man, look at that tall guy right there. See, people see a little dent in the armor, something that they can pick on, right? Something they can kind of grab a hold of, and instantly we become labeled, right? You don't belong here. You're not one of us. You're one of those other people. And it's done to take power, and it's usually done to take power by those who have no power, amen? And they're searching for it. These labels come along so much that they don't even care to learn your name. Just mayonnaise legs, just carrot top, just the fat kid, just the slow kid. How often do we get known by labels? Anybody ever been labeled in their life? Say amen. How many of us still sometimes are even known that way in the circles that we're in? And sometimes it could even feel like it's a good thing. Oh, that's the smart kid. Oh, that's the one who, who knows how to work their iPhone. <laughs> I want to invite Ashley to come up real quick and tell a little story. A little bit about labels. Come on. We got his mic? Or you can just tell your story leaning into my chest. Awkward. <laughs> that was probably the most awkward moment in the history of Christ South. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Ashley. Stick around long enough. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> uh, I'm, my name is Ashley, and uh, I play guitar and, and help lead the music here at Christ South. And um, so I love baseball. Uh, I love baseball for a, a lot of reasons. One, it is the only sport <clears throat> that you can look at the box score when you're done and tell what everybody did. How many times you struck out, how many pitches you took, who screwed up, who got it right. Um, and, it's, and it's an unforgiving sport sometimes. The plate is 17 inches across, a strike is a strike. Supposedly, <clears throat> sometimes I argue with umpires <laughs> about where that is. My son plays baseball, and every year I say I am not going to coach. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, and then every year I coach. And last year, uh, we were playing down at Mara. Uh, we like to call it dad ball, because um, everyone's living vicariously through their son. <laughs> and uh, showed up at the first practice. Uh, Coach John said, I need your help. I understand that you're really good with kids. You, uh, you teach martial arts, and, and uh, you know, I, I, need, I need somebody to kind of you know, to, to get these kids uh, whipped into shape and get their mentality right. And I was like, sure, I, I can help you. I mean, they're, they're eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Um, how hard can it be? So we show up to practice, and like every practice with every coach, you show up, and you want to see what you've got at that very first practice. And so we had this, this one kid, you know, he's whizzing the ball from third to first. Great. This other kid's catching fly balls. And then we had three kids on the team. We had Bobby, we had Elijah, and we had Deacon. Bobby wowed us with his skills by standing in right field, yelling uh, to hit the cutoff man at second, and managed to throw a ball and hit our first baseman between the shoulder blades while he was talking to the coach. Great. Uh, Elijah stood 10 feet from me and threw the ball 20 feet over my head. And then we had a deacon who had his shirt on backwards <laughs> at practice. Now, I thought, here we are at kid pitch. The number of kids that have signed up to play whose moms and dads just signed them up to play, that's, that's got to be done with, right? No. These kids were there because their parents signed them up to play. And so immediately as a coach, you go, all right, we're going to put them somewhere where they're, one, not going to get hurt, and two, where they're not going to hurt us. 
You got second, you got right field, right? That's where you go. If, so if you have a kid that's playing right field, you can work with them. <clears throat> They'll get there. So um, after the first few practices, you know, Bobby is standing there. He's got his toes into, in, in the batter's box. He won't step in. You try to correct Bobby, and Bobby gets angry with you. I know what I'm doing. Okay, Bobby, do you do you, right? Bobby puts his toes in. He won't swing at a pitch. Every pitch that comes by, Bobby either walks or strikes out. Bobby is not going to put a ball into play, right? And so this went on for several games. Um, uh, meanwhile, you know, the parents are restless. Oh, gosh, we need a hit here. We need a hit here. And so then after one game, um, we came up, and our, our coach is, is in tears, and he has a game ball with Elijah's name on it, right? And he said, uh, we're going to give the game ball to Elijah today. And I'm like, what did Elijah do? Like, he had five balls get by him. He didn't get on. Well, Elijah's dad died three days before that game. He didn't tell anybody. But Elijah wanted to come and play with his teammates. He wanted to be a part of something that was bigger. In that same game, I found out that Deacon was slightly autistic, and his parents signed him up because they wanted him to experience baseball. And it was one of those God moments, right, where, where you realize that you had it wrong, that Coach John took these kids because no one else wanted them. And here I am wanting to win, right? It's one of those moments where sometimes God just kind of hits you in the chest and says, uh, hey, get your attention, right? He got my attention. And so a game goes by, and uh, it just so happened that Deacon walked, Elijah walked, and Bobby walked back to back to back. And I wish that I could tell you this is one of those games where, some, where one of them got a big hit and won the game for us, but they didn't. And so in that particular game, uh, a kid came up to bat afterwards, and he just blistered one right over the second baseman's head and cleared the bases, and all three of those kids came across and touched home plate for probably the first time in their lives. And, you know, I got to thinking that, you know, that's sort of the way God is, right? We've got that one kid who's just kind of angry and won't listen, right? That's us. We've got that other kid that's just struck with, with grief, but he still wants to show up and be a part of something. And then we have that other kid that no one else wanted. And that's God's family, and that's God's team sometimes, is that he doesn't reject us and that we all have a part to play. And uh, as for me, um, I'm never going to coach baseball the same way again, knowing that everybody is capable of doing something. So many people deal with this on a daily basis, right? Especially people with different abilities that don't quite fit in, that are on the outskirts. They were always my favorite kids at camp. But they'd always get known as that kid or even worse things. They start to lose their names and they just have a label. But see, here's the thing. God says, go ahead, anoint him, the youngest. The one who doesn't have a name. He's the one. David is a perfect fit. God says, you belong to me. You will lead my people. You will be the one that I'll bring from as Savior. God has a history of picking the outsider. The little one. The label. The one that the world throws away. Who did God choose to give the news to first of Jesus' birth? Do you remember? They were out in the fields 
watching the sheep. Who were they? And then right after Jesus was rose, rose from the dead, all of a sudden when the first news went to the outsiders, it wasn't men. Who was it? And the disciples weren't the best of the best. They were fishermen. They didn't have it together. They were the ones that couldn't learn like all the other kids that got trained and the rabbi tracked. But they were still chosen for all of creation. Acts 4.13 says, this is as the disciples are doing their thing. It says, when, the, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, there's that label, ordinary men, there's that other label, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They saw that the outsiders were the ones that Jesus chose, not the ones that had it all put together. And this just isn't their story. This is our story. For those of us that feel rejected, too old, too slow, too fat, not smart enough, God says, you do belong here. That's exactly who I'm looking for. You are a perfect fit. We're going to show you another video. Owen was born and he was very healthy and happy, really sweet kid right off the bat. When he was 15 months, we noticed that he, um, I would say suddenly lost his eye contact, ended up he wasn't responding to his name anymore. He had been starting to babble and said things like, uh-oh, da-da, uh, small little phrases like that, and then that all stopped right at 15 months. He ended up, instead of even trying to make those noises um, to mimic talking, he ended up more of like guttural kind of moaning. And that's when we realized that we needed to make change. Even with talking with his pediatrician, it was always, oh, wait till he's two, wait till he's two. But uh, as his parents, we knew. At 17 months, after talking with several different therapy services, got him into a um, therapy program for speech and occupational therapy. He was there for about five months, and then we ended up switching over to an at-home speech and occupational therapy service. All was going really great, but we ultimately, for his socialization, wanted to be able to find a preschool for him to be able to work on those social skills, because as we started seeing his peers, you know, friends, family friends, toddlers the same age, getting older, Owen was kind of going off to the side, not really interacting with other kiddos, when the other kids that were the same age were starting to kind of play next to each other, sometimes with each other. So that was another big change that we saw. When we decided to look into different preschools, all we kept hearing was, he's just not a good fit. And, oh, we're sorry, he's maybe not a great fit. So after at least six months of looking and going to several different preschools and different daycare programs, we just kept hearing that either he wasn't on the further end of the spectrum, which you can qualify for more therapy services um, and other preschools that specialize with children with special needs, um, like your public school that you know has all these great things to offer. But then he wasn't able to go to a mainstream preschool. We could never find a good fit. And then when we heard from a family friend about Thrive, pretty much in the first phone call, it was, he's a perfect fit. So immediately to me, that just was such a relief and weight off of my shoulders. After feeling for so long that I couldn't find a great home and place for my son to really 
enjoy his day and play with other kids and just be a kid while also receiving the services that he needs. Owen's trying to say so many new words and he is so excited and proud of himself, which has made me so happy. So seeing that day-to-day -day change in him and knowing he's so proud of himself and doing simple tasks like picking up his toys and putting them away, trying to say different animal names and sounds and colors and maybe another mom of a three-year-old wouldn't think that that's so amazing, but it's the world to us. So it's been life-changing. I have nothing but excitement for the rest of the school year and the next year because it has been the biggest change in our life and we couldn't be happier. One of the coolest parts of that story is that's our story. Thrive Day School started up this fall and it's something we want to highlight today for being a place where the outsiders feel like part of the team. Part of that. This all came from an awesome member of our staff who said that she had a dream about this, a dream for this. Um, Y'all welcome Laura to come up. So Laura, tell us a little bit about where this all came from. Well, if you know me, I have to have a little prop. <laughs> right. So, well, God gave me a dream or a vision and it's something that couldn't be done on my own. It was way too big for just, for just me. And it always is something that requires us to move out of our comfort zone. And believe me, this was way out of my comfort zone. I love this quote that I found, and it really kind of sums it up. It says, if your dreams do not scare you, it's too small. Mm. And believe me, Thrive is not small. Your dreams should be so big that without God, it would be impossible to achieve. Believe me, God is in every step of this and every piece. So a few years back, God had put together something for me. But you know what? God doesn't always show us all the pieces. In fact, what he does is he gave me something that looked like this, a blank template. And he gave me a hard foundation. And he said, this is something I want to put inside of you many years ago. I had a student in my class 22 years ago. I know it seems like a long time. And that student in my class, he just loved blocks. That was the one thing he loved to do. Every day he went to the block center and that's all he wanted to play with. And I just knew that he was missing out on a huge piece of learning. And so I didn't exactly know what to do and all the other teachers just said, oh, just wait, he'll get it in kindergarten or we'll just hold him back a year. But I knew that's not exactly what the plan God had for him. And so what we did was we took all of the things that he did during the daily routines, his learning activities, his spelling, his writing, and we put it inside that block center and we made a class that would fit for him and a group that would work. And so what we did also was that we brought friends into that center to help them connect. And God started to do some amazing things through prayer, through just working with him day by day. He started to do really well in our class. In fact, he started to speak, he started to make connections, and more than anything that was so cool to me was that he got caught up and was ready for kindergarten by the end of the year. So we knew that the way we teach and how we do what we do has to be different to fit each and every child. So that's a little bit about the foundation that God gave me for this amazing school. And so I felt like it was time that we did something different. It was a bold vision from God, and it required a lot of pieces to make that happen. 
so over the next few years, God started putting a framework in my heart, and he said, I've got something I need you to do, but it's only something that, I, that you can do through me. It was a huge vision. Being here in Charlotte, I realized that children in the preschool age did not have everything that they need to go to school and to be, um, to be able to just walk into kindergarten. They needed something different. And I started to get phone calls as a teacher and then as a director this from parents who said, can you help me find a school for my child? He needs something different. And I was like, oh, this is such a big burden. I love the children, and I wanted so much to fit that need in our community. So, but I was overwhelmed with how big this would become and what a big vision God was putting in my heart. Mm. So I was uh, pretty much like, God, how can we do this? You know, how can we go about doing this? But God has an amazing way, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do in my life and here in Christ South as part of this community and a part of Thrive. So there's a great verse that I thought that just summarized everything that we have worked in. It says, in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, God arranged the parts of the body, every one of them. He arranged every puzzle piece um, just the way he wanted and as he wanted them to be. God arranged every piece of Thrive the way he wanted and the way he wanted it to be to be that connection for parents and for the people here at Christ South and for the families that Thrive. So what he did is absolutely amazing. He took pieces of a puzzle that I only had a framework for. One piece was definitely Christ South. Everybody sitting here is part of Christ South and you are part of that puzzle. You prayed for our families you gave a extra courage, and the most important thing is you caught this vision. Christ South, Christ Providence caught a vision for what God was wanting to do here in the community. So you are a piece of that puzzle. But you know what? That was only a piece, and it was only one piece. And so then God added a different piece. God added a great piece that I am so excited about. We went to this, we took this to council and we said, look. We don't really know how to put this together. So God brought in somebody great. His name is Linda Warren. And you know what? She is part of the uh, CLCC, the Children's Center. And what God did with that piece is that she gave it guidance. She helped with the vision. And she helped us put the school together. So I really want to say thank you to Linda for being part of the piece of Thrive. And then God, we had this great idea, but where are we going to put it? As you see, we meet every Sunday at a school and we just knew that we couldn't ask the school for more room <laughs> so God brought in somebody Matt sat down with her and she said I want to be a part of this how can I help so we want to say thank you to Sabrina LeClaire she is a piece of Thrive she came in and she has offered to us her um, one of her dance studios that we meet in every day she is a, offer that to us we come in we set it up it looks beautiful and it is a place for each one of our students to come in and we are so thankful for her and then what do i do now i have a place i have a great leadership who's helping to partner with us but i needed some help writing policies and procedures and insurance and things i had no idea so god gave me a development team Amy Bucci, Jessica Bunting, um, Joni, um, Jeff Maybaum, uh, John Shirley, 
all these people to put together in, our, in my team to help us develop this amazing school. And I'm so thankful for them because they were an extra piece that I really needed to make this dream grow. The next piece was, now I had everything put together, right? And so I could see this vision that God had given us grow and start to be put together. But I didn't know how the future was really going to come. But what I needed was a really good teachers who could come and support the school. And I get this great text that only God knew what to do with it. It says, I miss you, I miss Lou, I miss Scissors, and Miss Jane, who I'd worked with before, came in the door, and she's been a wonderful teacher for Thrive. She has blessed us, and she's loved each one of those kids that came through. And then I had to be gone for a couple weeks, and so God brought Trish. Trish is amazing. She helped us with our students on a Sunday morning, and guess what? She has a passion for this. And so Trish and Jane became part of this amazing puzzle that God was bringing about for us. The next thing came, I had all these pieces, but I was still missing one very important thing, and that was our students. We started with one student that you saw in the family, and God brought that student in, and he started to bless that family. And then it started to grow from there. My phone started ringing, we started praying, and we got to see God move in an amazing way. The next family that came in, was Jonah, then the next family was Anna and her family, and James, who's here this morning, he, he came in the door, and God knew each child there needs to be part of our school, and we needed to be there for them, and it has been absolutely a blessing to see them not only just come in the door, but run in the door every morning to be part of our school, and to see their development in that how that little vision that God put inside my heart that was so big for me to even think about starts to come into to being. And the last couple pieces are this, that have all fell together and it helped us to grow and to become what God had truly called us to be. The next piece of this is that many of you sitting right here, you all pray for us, you donate money so that way we can lower our tuition to get friends in the door and you are a vital part of this ministry. As you leave here today, you will get a piece of a puzzle to remind you that we cannot do this vision that God has called us to on our own. Each one sitting out here prays for us, cares for us, cares about our families, asks how we're doing, and encourages us. You are a piece of that puzzle. And the exciting part about this is we're not finished yet. We are just getting started. That's amazing. You see... God is moving in this ministry. We have people all over Charlotte who have heard about us, who are wanting to connect with us, and students who want to come in for the next year. And we just did a cool thing that only God could have put together. We purchased some land that's going to be there for a church, but it's also going to be where we put the school. You see, God is putting every piece together, every part of the body together to make this work. And yes, this definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone. Even getting up here to speak today was way out of my comfort zone. But he knew he had to put this together. He had to push in order for the puzzle to fit for each person, each thing, each thing that happens had to become connected for the puzzle to work and for God to get the glory. You see, he has a huge vision and we are just part of it. And each one of us, I can't tell you, plays a role. And I want to say thank you. You are a part of Thrive. And we are so appreciative. Thank you, Laura.
So maybe you're asking the question today, where do I belong? Maybe you've been told over and over again that you're not enough. Brothers and sisters, you're exactly what God is looking for. You are a perfect fit for God's ministry in you. I want to tell you two, two quick things. When I called Sabrina, this is even better. Actually, I wasn't sitting down with her. I was driving down the road. Sabrina was the one who was giving us this uh, place to be. And uh, I said, uh, hey, I've got this school. We're thinking about starting. And I was just, and she said, I'm in. I was like, wait, uh, but you don't know what I'm asking. Said, no, I'm, I'm in. I want to be a part of it. It was so amazing. When we brought this idea to Linda, who's been at the Christ Lutheran Children's Center for years, we got kids here that are like adults and have kids, so she's been there. It's weird that she's only 30. As she said this past year she was going to retire. And so we thought, what are we going to do, man? We're going to try to start this thing, and we don't have her. And she decided not to. So thank you, because she believed in this project. You are a perfect fit. Thank you for all your ministry over the years that you've done and the ministry that you continue yet to do. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, thank you so much. For we are all different puzzle pieces, a part of your great masterpiece. And we ask, God, that you would give us the strength, the mercy, and the grace to be your people, your children, as a part of your great puzzle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.